morning up a fern tree gully and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the lands where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Well, Jono, another busy sporting weekend. We'll start with football. Uh, it was week 28 in the English Premier League, headlined by the Manchester Derby. And oh my God, Manchester City embarrassed Manchester United 4-1 in the derby at the City Stadium. Um, absolute domination by Pep Guardiola's men. It also meant that Arsenal have moved into fourth, and they've got three games in hand over United, who sit in fifth. Um, but Jono, a big result for City um, after the Liverpool win over West Ham as well for the top of the table. Yeah, I mean, City really needed this. I mean, just as much as United did, but it just seemed like one team did come to come to play. Um, really, really disappointing, again, how United has been playing. And you know what? Arsenal is now definitely 100% in the driver's seat, and rightfully so. They're playing the way that they should be playing and grafting for every single result. So hats off to them, but big win for City to be able to get a little bit more cushion there up at the top. And very, very disappointing for United. Also at the bottom of the table, Watford and Norwich both failed to win while those big wins for Brentford and uh, Newcastle United continue their recent good form as well with another win. In world football, uh, Real Madrid extended their lead in Spain to eight points after a 4-1 win over Real Sociedad, while Bayern Munich dropped some rare points in Germany, drawing 1-1 with Bayer Leverkusen, but still staying nine points clear in Germany, while AC Milan go top in Italy after a 1-0 win over Napoli, while Celtic also stayed top in Scotland after a 3-1 win over Livingston, and the uh, MLS also kicked off over the weekend in the US, Jono. Yeah, I mean, MLS kicking off with some new, new teams as well. Um, over there in Charlotte, breaking an MLS record as well for having 74-plus thousand fans inside of the stadium, which is great to see. Um, and, yeah, just good to see the MLS back, especially with drawing in some big names as well this year that we'll see um, put on the MLS uh, different jerseys throughout the league. Both the Champions League and Europa League also return this week. The Champions League head- headlined by Liverpool versus Inter Milan and then Real Madrid versus PSG on Thursday morning Australian time. In the Isuzu A-League here in Australia, Melbourne Victory defeated MacArthur 3-1. Western United defeated Newcastle Jets 2-1. Central Coast Mariners defeated Brisbane Raw 2-1. Western Sydney defeated Sydney FC 2-0 in the Derby, while Adelaide United defeated Perth Glory 2-1. So Western United stayed top, followed by Melbourne City and Adelaide. In the Women's A-League, Melbourne City defeated Western Sydney 2-0. Sydney FC defeated Adelaide United 1-0, while Brisbane Raw defeated Newcastle Jets 5-1. Sydney have also now claimed back-to-back premierships um, so great work by Sydney FC uh, to finish top of the pile there. In cricket, uh, Pakistan versus Australia. It's the first time in 24 years Australia are playing a test series in Pakistan, the first test at Rawalpindi. Uh, day four at the moment, uh, as we record, is delayed due to a wet outfield. But Pakistan made four for 476 in their first innings. Imam Ul-Haq made 157, while Azay Ali made 185 in response. Australia 2 for 271. Usman Kawaja unluckily uh, got out playing, trying to play a reverse sweep. He was bowled for 97. David Warner made 68, while minus Labashe is 69, not out, with Steve Smith also in. The Women's Cricket World Cup also started in New Zealand, and Australia won a nail biting first group game against England by 12 runs. Australia made 3 for 310, with Rachel Haynes making 130 and Meg Lanning making 86. In response, England made 8 for 298 with Nat Shiver making an unbeaten 109. Australia's next game is against Pakistan on Tuesday, Australian time. NRL on the season 2022 kicks off this week with a blockbuster Thursday night game between the defending premiers Penrith Panthers uh, and the Manly Seagulls. So it'll be a great way to start the season. Um, it's been a long preseason in the NRL, but uh, great to see the NRL back up and running this week. 
The NRL women's continued over the weekend, and Brisbane defeated Newcastle 28-10. Gold Coast defeated Sydney Roosters 26 points to 16, while St. George Illaroa defeated Parramatta 10-0. Brisbane sit top, followed by St. George. AFL and the preseason games began this week as well, as the kickoff date for the new AFL season nears. Uh, it will begin on the 16th of March, so nearly here for the AFL as well. The AFL women's continued over the weekend as well. Melbourne defeated Fremantle 107 to 19. Adelaide defeated Collingwood 30 points to 28, while Brisbane defeated North Melbourne 50 to 14. Adelaide sit top, followed by Melbourne and Brisbane. In rugby, the Super Rugby Pacific continued as well over the weekend. The Queensland Reds defeated the Western Force 29 points to 16, while the ACT Brumbies defeated New South Wales Rollatars 27 points to 20. It was UFC 272 over in Las Vegas over the weekend, and the much-anticipated Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal fight. Former ex-friends, now enemies. Um, but Covington proved a little bit too good in their five-round welterweight bite as he won by an unanimous decision. Um, it was a great fight, but uh, as I said, Covington just a little bit too good for Jorge Masvidal in, in Vegas for UFC 272. Basketball, Jono, NBA, LeBron had a 56-point game in Lakers win over Golden State Warriors, while Philly moved into second place in the East. Yeah, I mean, uh, LeBron kind of coming out really big, showing that he's going to put the Lakers on their back, on his back. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, as we keep on saying with the Lakers, how they're going to be going into this uh, playoff form as we're getting to the end point now in the next couple months of the uh, NBA season as well as all the teams where they're really going to shake out on the East. I think the East is the most interesting in terms of standings. Everybody's so close right now. You have so many factors that are coming to play. So I think they're really to keep an eye on who's going to finish where, because the West, for me, pretty much is solidified in terms of positions. It's just going to come down to who's going to be healthy in the West when playoff times actually comes around. Also, some college basketball news, John. It was Coach K's last game as coach of Duke. But unfortunately, he was not sent out a winner as his fourth seed Duke team were defeated by unranked North Carolina 94-81. to But this doesn't take away from his amazing coaching career. Yeah, I mean, he's had an amazing career, just not only collegially, but also he's coached Team USA as well for so long. Created such a great program with Team USA as well, as well as what he's done at Duke. has just been incredible, and it's great to see, especially in college sports, those coaches staying around. They create a legacy, create an environment you know, everybody wants to watch Duke play. He's been able to produce so many star athletes as well um, coming out of there. So it's just incredible um, to see his career finally come to an end. Yeah, it was quite amazing. There were tickets going more expensive to his last game than what yeah. was at Super Bowl. So it was an amazing atmosphere there. Our NBL here in Australia, the Sydney Kings defeated the Cairns Taipans 98-88. The Melbourne United defeated Brisbane Bullets 95-83. to While the Wollongong Hawks defeated SEM Phoenix 83 points to 77. Melbourne United stayed top, followed by SEM Phoenix and the Wildcats. Also, the Winter Paralympics started over the weekend. Um, so good luck to all those competing athletes. Currently sitting China top of the medal tally with six gold. So great to see uh, the Winter Paralympics underway over in Beijing. The world cricket community is in shock following the death of Rod Marsh, one of the greatest wicket keepers the game has seen. Well, Jono, it was a tragic um, weekend, I guess, for the sport of cricket and sport, the sporting community worldwide, uh, especially here in Australia. Uh, Friday morning, 
Um, the shocking news came out about Rod Marsh, the former Australian wicketkeeper, uh, dying of a heart attack. Uh, he was placed into an induced coma, but unfortunately was unable to be revived. Uh, Rod Marsh played 96 test matches and 92 one-day internationals for Australia, where he scored 3,633 test runs and claimed 343 catches as the Australian wicketkeeper. Since his retirement, he'd been involved as a coach, commentator, and national selector, and was inducted into the Cricket Australia's Hall of Fame in 2005. Uh, I guess one of the great memories of Rod Marsh was his special relationship with the great Dennis Lilly, um, both of them forming an amazing bowler-wicketkeeper partnership when they played during the 70s and 80s. Um, he was a man that gave back so much to the game, uh, both on and off the field. Um, so a real sad loss, Jono. Uh, for a real legend of Australian cricket and world cricket in Rod Marsh. Yeah, I mean, this is um, these are the types of people as well. When you look at not just what he was able to do on on the actual field and in the oval, but it's it's what happened after the career as well. Somebody who stays around the game because they just love it that much as well. Whether it's being coach, being a commentator, helping as well the the national team programs. Um, it's just you know incredible when these athletes are able to just continue their legacy in a in a new way as well, and that's exactly um, what Rod Marsh was able to do. So really sad news, the passing of him. I think how someone's legacy is thought upon is in their passing and in the words that are spoken after their passing. And there's been nothing but positive yep. words and comments from ex teammates, uh, friends, family, etc., who had some part in Rod Marsh's life. Um, a real sad loss for Australian cricket, and I think his uh, his demeanour and, and his attitude to the game can be summed up when the controversial underarm uh, incident occurred between Australia and New Zealand, where Greg Chappell gave the um, direction to bowl underarm, and Rod Marsh actually said that he shouldn't. He obviously went against uh, Rod Marsh as, as the vice-captain at that time, um, but I think he was a man of great integrity. Um, and a man that, as I said, gave plenty back to Australian cricket as both on um, and off the field, uh, obviously, a long time after his retirement. So, as I said, a really sad loss um, for Australian cricket. I guess barely recovered, though, from that. Then even the more shocking news came in through, filtering through. I know when I first thought, saw this, I thought it was fake news. Uh, but the great Shane Keith Warren, the king, um, as many refer to him, uh, died aged 52 after suffering a, a suspected heart attack in Thailand. He was there on holidays uh, with some friends, um, also with uh, his fellow or the producer of, of the documentary, Warney, which has come out on Amazon. Um, Jono, before we get into, obviously, Shane Warne's career and the legacy that he's going to leave, um, I guess as, as an American, and you haven't grown up on, on cricket, did you still feel the enormity of the loss of Shane Warne and obviously the way, uh, yeah, the enormity within Australia and also worldwide. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, coming over, come, coming here to this country, um, you just instantly, when you're talking to people, you learn about the legends of the games. Uh, maybe I didn't necessarily grow up watching him exactly in all his test matches and, and just representing um, the various, you know, Australian, all the different formats. I didn't necessarily grow up watching that, but you... You speak with people and you understand the importance that he is. And then as you start watching, you hear him on the sideline commentating as well. And the thing that I loved about him most was just the fact that he just said it how it was as well, commentating. He, he didn't necessarily hold back. He told his truths. 
And as you speak to everybody, no one ever had a bad word to say about this man. So, you know, to hear this news at such a young age as well, it was even shocking for me as well. You know, I, I took a took did a double take as well um, in, in that I thought it, that that can't be true. Um, and it's just it's, it's just crazy to think, um, you know, that somebody um, somebody that young sadly is now passed away. Well, you talk about giving his opinion, and, and Warren always said, when, especially when he was commentating, that he was paid to be opinionated. Whether or not you agreed or disagreed with, with what he said, he always had an opinion on the game of cricket and, and the way it should be played and an individual's performance. He wasn't scared to say what he thought. Uh, before the recent Ashes series, he was pretty scathing of Mitchell Stark, um, who ended up having a great series, but Warren wasn't scared. I think that's what made him the man he was. Yep. In regards to... His career with Australia, he represented Australia 145 times in Test cricket and 194 times in one-day internationals. He took an amazing 708 Test wickets, sitting second behind Mutai Muthuithlan, the great Sri Lankan spin bowler who took 800 wickets. He revolutionised the art of leg spin bowling. I know when I was growing up watching Warren, that's the reason I bowled leg spin bowling. It was, a, it was an amazing way he, he inspired kids especially the era that he grew up in where fast bowling was the dominant yep. force, I guess, with the great West Indian teams, obviously great Dennis Lilly, Jeff Thompson, and he really brought to the fore the art of, of leg spin bowling and just the way he bowled. And, and whenever Warren came on, the crowd just anticipated something to happen. He was voted fourth in Wisden's five cricketers of the 20th century alongside Donald Bradman, Gary Sobers, Jack Hobbs, and Vivit Richards. Um, and obviously best remembered for that ball of the century against Mike Ganning in the 1993 Ashes Series in England. It was his first ball in England in an Ashes Series, and uh, I guess that legacy of that delivery has grown each year. Jono, I guess when a a sportsman like this passes away, who not only is huge in the cricket community, but cuts through society as well. In other sporting codes, you've seen the the amount of comments and and people coming out and, and... the sadness that's been felt, you don't get this. This is a rare moment where yep. you don't get many sportsmen that come along like this that have such an impact. Yeah, I mean, this is as you said, this is someone who now who changed the game. Um, you know, coming into his career, as you said, it was dominated by fast bowling, and then he was able to to change that and 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 start this wave of this next generation. As you said, it's inspiring that next generation, and that's what he was able to do. And it's not even just you know his skills on. In cricket, it was also his personality, what he brought to to every single match. You know, it's it's how he conducted himself. You know, whether that's you know every everybody. You know, you look back and and now everybody's telling all these stories, and it's all these stories of the great times that they had with him, and and these experiences that he was essentially able to make, and and that's what he, that's the difference as well is what makes these people just legendary is. It's not just what they do on on when they're playing. It's it's what they also do off and how they conduct themselves, how they change the game. Um, you know, you, you can look at all these different players across all these different sporting codes that come in and, and they break the mold. You know, they, they're changing um, what has been done and they make a new path. And that new path is what then creates that next generation of talent and inspires those next generations of people. And and that's what he was able to do. And, and for me, that's what his legacy is, is, is being that game changer, being the personality that he is, and not just trying to fit into the norm, trying to be himself the whole time. I guess Warren too, he lived a colorful life. He's probably done more than most people do in a lifetime in 52 years, <laughs> which led to 
controversial moments during his career. He had marriage split-ups, obviously the high-profile engagement to Elizabeth Hurley, um, the drug ban in 2003 where he was banned for cricket for 12 months after taking a banned substance. So Warren wasn't immune to controversy and probably sometimes his brazen way and his honest way probably got him into some trouble. But what always amazed me with Warren was his mental capacity to be able to block that out when he was playing cricket. He said that's where he felt most at home. He felt like that was his domain. Uh, what One of the most amazing, I think, parts of his career was actually the 2005 Ashes series, which Australia lost famously to England 2-1. He almost single-handedly won that series for Australia. He took 40 wickets, an average of 19.92, and scored 249 runs, many of those runs coming at crucial times for the Australians. He was doing this in the amazingly amidst the background of a very public divorce from his then wife, Simone Callan, after Warren's affair with another woman had come into the public view. Warren said, if you, if you do watch his latest documentary, when he went, when he went out there to field the English the English public were brutal. Six mm. hours of chanting about Warren's wife, Warren's, I guess, private life was brought into the public domain. And, and Warren said that was the only space, though, that he felt safe. After he walked off, after after each day's play, he would just take himself to the hotel and sit by himself. It was, But the amazement of the man to be able to, to perform at such a high level when yep. your team's under pressure, away from home in England, when, when the English crowd are being brutal yep. just shows you I think Jono is is how special he was yeah I mean he he's that kind of guy that that's the go-getter he he will zone everything out as much pressure as much off the field drama that's happening around him he is the one that steps onto that pit, cricket pitch and decides this is this is my time to shine and that's exactly what he's able to do and as you even said as well you know, even stepping, you know, you got to think as well how hard it would be to step away for cricket for 12 months as well because of essentially controversy over an, an illegal substance as well. And then going back into the game. So you've just stepped away completely. Everybody knows exactly why you've stepped away. Now you have to re-implement yourself into the game. That is a very tough thing to do. And for him to be able to do that and still perform at such a high level is an incredible feat on its own. And then just continue from there as well. So it shows himself as a competitor there's not many competitors out there that are built that way where they're able to just negate everything that's going on and just focus and continue to perform at such a high level throughout his whole career um it's it, his career is really remarkable in that way the consistency and the ability to just go out there no matter what's surrounding him and perform and i guess one of the things that people who were close to Warren knew about the man was he he also suffered from his own insecurities even though when he saw him playing cricket, he, he looked like the most confident man on the planet. He he did need positive reinforcement in regards to his own play, and obviously his struggles with weight and, and smoking and drinking um, were all parts of the worn persona, I guess. But I guess that's what made him so loved. Yeah, The yeah. Australian public and, and the cricket public could connect with a man who they saw bits of themselves in. He was, mm. even though he lived a lavish lifestyle, for some, and then some of his friends are some of the highest profile uh, people. Chris Martin at Coldplay, he says, is one of his great friends. Warren, I don't think, ever lost the perspective of of he just loved cricket and that he um, he was a simple guy who just loved to bowl a bit of the leg spin, loved to have a drink, loved to have a smoke, um, and really was very loyal to his friends. So I think, Jono, that's another part of Warren that 
I don't think was lost even through all his stardom was was his ego never seemed to go out of control. Yeah, I mean, he been touching as well on on him loving a drink, loving a smoke. Not that we're condoning it anyway, but you you have to look at now. You know, normally you know around his the statue that's built down there in the MCG. You know, everybody delivering flowers this that, but there's also everybody putting a beer down for him, putting putting a couple cigarettes, just really going back to his personality. And, and as you said, what almost made him that more relatable as well to really fall in love with? It's, it's you fell in love with, with him as a cricket player, but as well as him as a person. The struggles, the on the field, the off the field, the ups, the downs, you know, how much passion and love he had for it. He just related to all different types of people, all different walks of life. Whether you're looking at it from just a cricketing perspective, you're looking at it from how he balanced the two, his personal and cricket life, or just how he conducted himself off the field as an incredible party man. You were, he was able to appeal to everybody. Um, and that's, I think, what even just his status, especially here in Australia and worldwide, just takes him to that legendary status. I don't think there's one person that really knows cricket that's not going to say that he is just a legend of the game, if not one of the best to ever play the game of cricket. I think the other relatable quality of Warren was he was, in the most part, honest. Even when he made indiscretions during his career from the bookie scandal with Mark War, uh, from taking money from a bribe, to obviously his affairs with his, his wife, mm-hmm. which is said was the hardest part of his whole career, that, that whole time of his of his life, because he does he is a family man from everything I've heard. He loves his three kids, yep. he's he's really there for them. Um to obviously the twelve months out with, with the band drug diet and, and the reason he didn't actually appeal that was he didn't want to take his family through any more stress. So he did think about them. They were the most important part of his life, even though he said he needed to be selfish when he was a cricketer and he probably did miss out on some of their childhood when yeah. he was touring and stuff but he said he needed if he was going to be the best he needed to be unfortunately a little bit selfish to in the pursuit of that to perform at his best the other part of Warren was just his amazing cricket mind um, which was seen he probably would have been Australian captain at some point if it hadn't been for some of these indiscretions obviously he was captain under the great Mark Taylor and, and then Steve War, but he gave so much that golden yeah. generation of Australian cricket and I think the best representation of his leadership was shown uh, in the development of the Indian Premier League. So in 2008, when that began taking parts of the T20 tournament over in India, where players were paid huge money to come over for six weeks and play in a, in a cricket-style tournament, he was player coach of the Rajasthan Royals. Yep. A group of young Indian cricketers mixed in with some international flavour, but they were not back to do anything. He led them to IPL glory in 2008 as they defeated the Chennai Super Kings in the final, which I think was just an amazing sentence the way he can um, inspire the people around him and how much people wanted to listen to him and how much they wanted to learn from him. Um, you've said his commentary. He's regarded as one of the, or rega- was regarded as one of the great commentators. You yeah. could, every time he talked about cricket, people would listen because yep. he has such an intellect for it, and especially around the, the art of spin bowling, which he said is if not the hardest art in cricket. Um, but Jono, it's going to be a huge hole. It, it may never get filled, yeah. um, but he certainly left us with some amazing memories and, and he should be thought of fondly through all his life, even regardless of his indiscretions. I think he's going to be a man that's going to be hugely missed. Yeah, he, he definitely will be missed for, as we said, everything that he's been able to accomplish on the field and everything once he retired from the game as well and stuck around and and you know whether it's coaching commentating just being himself you know just being his personality as well appearing on news different news networks everything like that he 
is just truly a legend of the game and a, and a legend off the field as well. So what he was able to do is just incredible. Um, he will definitely be missed, and, and there will be a, a bit of a hole that you know, might never be filled in, in terms of what he was able to bring to the game and how he was able to change the game for the better. Shane Warne is going to receive a state funeral um, after his family accepted the invitations of the Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews, as well as the MCG's Great Southern Stand will now be renamed the SK Warne Stand. So I know that's uh, happening yeah. as we speak. But um, a really sad day for not only for cricket, but for Australian sport and for world sport with the passing um, of Shane Keith Warne, the King, aged 52. Well, Jono, we'll try and end on a little bit of a light. I know, I know it's been a... It's been a Unusual weekend with with these passings. Uh, yep. But we've got five quick questions I'm going to be asking you this week. Ready to go? Let's do it. Let's go. So in light of some of the Italian Serie A results, who are you picking for this Serie A title in Italy? It is a tight, tight race. Ooh, that is um, definitely a hard one. Um, I, you know, I still would back Inter Milan if they were able to play consistently. Um, I, you know, they've definitely had their struggles just scoring as of recent. Um, started to click into gear a little bit, so I still would probably say I'd back them, just because the other teams just just don't don't have as much depth for me. Um, so I'd I'd have to stick with them as 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 the title favorites for now. I'm with you. I think uh, one they've got a game in hand as well, which could come yep. to be crucial in the run in. But uh, every time you think a team's going to run away with it, they. Uh, they slip up, so great title race for the, yeah, now it's, uh, now for it's the neutrals now. in Serie A. Champions League, the big one. Who's going to go through, PSG or Real Madrid playing at the Santiago Bernabeu on Thursday morning? Oof, I mean, even on the weekend, PSG had its struggles. and Lost you know, to Nice. Yeah, and all the stuff that's happening behind the scenes as well, all the conversations about Mbappe, um, all these other, you know, you know, who are they going to bring in for as replacements? So they're already kind of thinking and those conversations are happening. How is that going to affect them? It could definitely because, you know, Real Madrid just cruising quietly as well right now. I mean, I'd still probably have to back PSG just because of the overall quality. Um, but they're going to have to, they're definitely going to have to bring their A game to be able to do that. Yeah, it should be an amazing game there at the Bernabeu. Yeah. Uh, in light of Shane Warne's death, Jono, do you think his impact on the game of cricket and the game and the world of sport can he be compared to, say, Michael Jordan and his impact with basketball and even Tiger Woods on the game of golf? Do you think he, the way he's revolutionised cricket, do you think he's up there in those with those sort of athletes? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you're, like I said, if you're someone who's been able to actually change the game, change the way it's it's being played, and inspire that next generation to consistently play the way that you played and that style you definitely have to be held up there in high regards. I mean, there's so many you know, legends across the game who've been able to do that, and he's definitely always going to be honoured as one of them. Do you think the Brooklyn Nets are still capable of winning the NBA championship? A loss today against uh, the Boston Celtics. They've been a little bit up and down. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a little bit of time here because Durant's just coming back, um, and some rules might be changing as well to allow Kyrie to be playing. But um, they, they, they have to have Ben Simmons come in and play just some de- defense at this point as well because they're just letting up too many points as well. They have so much offensive power, but they need stronger defensive as well in, in that guard situation as well. So if Ben Simmons can come back and at least perform defensively, Irving and Durant are playing, then yes, I give him a high chance. But without one of those pieces, then we, we're seeing what's happening. So It's going to be very interesting. And in light of the uh, start of the NRL season... Where are your Sydney Roosters going to finish this year on in the regular season um, on the ladder? Oh, I mean, look, last year they had some big injury concerns. Didn't it's not too much of a team changing over um, as of now. 
Um, but, you know, against the good old, you, know, you got Penrith defending, Rabbitohs, Melbourne all going to be chasing. But, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them, I'm gonna, I'll, put, I'll put them up in the top two there, though. Oh, backing top them. two. Backing them. All right, the Roosters in for a massive year, according to Jono. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that unfolds. Well, that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, thank you for your support and good night. <laughs>